0: Father in heaven, we thank you that you are not a mystery to us, but by sending your son into the world, we know you. We know you by your deeds, we know you by your character, we know you by your words, and I pray that this morning, as we reflect on these two chapters in Exodus, Lord, help us to think wisely, to understand truth, and to respond with obedience, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, well... I'm nervous to say this, but did you see the coronation last night? I'm nervous to say it because when Cameron um, mentioned it, there was chatter everywhere across the room. Everyone has something to say about it. I don't want you to break into a conversation right now. I want you to focus on me. Uh, uh, but the, the coronation, uh, uh, Charles, who, you know, in my lifespan, has, uh, I've you know, watched him be the, the second run to everybody. Uh, you know, you love him, you hate him, you don't know what to do with him. Uh, but now he's our king. He's the king. Uh, he's got a place, uh, he's, he's over 70, he's been waiting a long time and now he's the king. Quick shift, but where? what is your place? What is your place in this world? Where do you belong? What's your purpose? That's a very tough question for a Sunday morning, isn't it? A cold Sunday morning, what's your purpose in life? It can be very discouraging because often many of us think, well, I don't really know what my purpose is. I haven't found it yet. I'm 80-something and I still haven't found my purpose. Uh, what, a, what a depressing question if, we don't, if, you feel, if I'm making you feel like you don't know the answer. But friends, discovering who you are in this world could, can be an awful, awfully big task. But it's not nearly as important as discovering who you are to God. Your place in this world to God. That is, that is really our, our the the most important thing our connection with him matters a lot if we are disconnected from our creator, then we're somehow disconnected from our from the fundamental place that we have in this world we're unplugged we're unplugged from our purpose, a bit like pulling a tree out of the ground and leaving it it's it no longer has a place and it's just destined to die. My value the bible says doesn't come from me. My worth doesn't come from me building up and being established and working out what's my charge in this world, what's my purpose, my value, the, the, the question of who I am, who am I. It actually all comes from God. It's a gift. Your purpose is a gift from him so that I can say that I am a child of God. I am a child of God. And we come to Exodus chapter 3. And uh, we're, so we're three chapters in, and we find Moses at a bit of a loss. Uh, a lot of time has passed since Moses was lifted out of the basket. Last week, we just as the kid's spot was, was explained, we, we saw him as a baby last week. Well, now, actually, he's not even a, a, a 10-year-old. He's actually 40 when we get to chapter 3. And he's a bit of a loss as to uh, who he is and where he is. Where he is. Uh, Where he belongs. Now we are focusing on chapter 3 and 4, but I just need to give some context as to where Moses is at the moment. And Moses tries to be a somebody. He's been uh, raised up in the household of Pharaoh. Surely he needs to be important. Surely there is, we don't know for certain what Moses knows about his childhood, his upbringing, but it, there's good reason to think that he, he, he understands that he's a Hebrew, that he understands that, 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 that God is, is destined to come and rescue. Uh, the fact that God is rescuing Israel out of Egypt should not come as a surprise. The question is exactly when and exactly how. And perhaps Moses is the man to do it. Perhaps he is actually a somebody. Maybe he is the saviour that Israel needs. And under the hand of God, he's been placed in the palace for a very specific reason. And in chapter 2, verse 11, we get these words. I hope you've got a a Bible in front of you. Can I encourage you to bring your Bibles to church or grab one in the foyer as you come in? And we're in uh, chapter 2, verse 11. It says one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labour. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and looking this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. It's a good start if he's going to be the saviour of Israel, one Egyptian down, a couple of thousand to go. Uh, one by one, if you know the, the the journey of a thousand steps starts with one, one footstep. Uh, well, here he is; he's made a made a step. But it's a bit comical, isn't it? Him perhaps becoming a, a civil rights activist. It's spontaneous. He didn't have a plan. He looked this way and a bit like teaching, teaching a child to cross the road. You look this way, you look that way, you look that way. And if if all's clear, kill somebody. You know, <laughs> uh, not yourself. Um, But it it is comical. Uh, I almost imagine these two little feet um, still exposed out of the sand. He buries the Egyptian, but there's these two legs, a bit like a a droid in a Star Wars movie, Uh, legs just jutting out because something that was supposed to be done in secret, everybody seems to know about it. Uh, Moses comes back the next day and talks to some Hebrews and they say, who are you? Are you going to kill us too? They don't like what he's done. Pharaoh hears about it and he's angry and so Moses flees. And so that's where we get from Moses being a, a prince in the house of Egypt to being a shepherd in Midian. He becomes something of a, of a saviour there. He, he arrives and beats up a few thugs by a well and wins himself a wife. And he discovers that he's, while he was trying to be a somebody, he discovers that he's actually a nobody. He's a nobody. Moses Moses settles down with a wife. He has a child named Gershom. The name Gershom means foreigner here. So Moses is very self-aware that he just doesn't belong. He feels like a foreigner in his own home. He's not an Egyptian. He's not a Hebrew. He's not a Midianite. So who is he? And we want to say, you're Moses. You're Moses. Moses. You're going to do great things. But Moses, at the age of 40, has no idea of what's before him or how it's going to happen. Uh, D.L. Moody, I don't know much about him. He was an American evangelist in the 1800s. Uh, He famously said this, this line, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 years learning he was nobody, and 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. It's a beautiful line, isn't it? It's very poetic. We get these ages of how old Moses was, by the way, from Acts chapter 7. As uh, as um, Stephen, I think, is recounting the journey of Israel. And he mentions these years of of Moses. Well, there's Moses, lost. But God, but God in heaven comes down. God acts. Uh, God hears uh, the cries of Israel go up. In chapter 2, verse 23, he hears the cries, the, the suffering Israel go up into heaven. And then we get a gl- glimpse, as we get into chapter 3, we get a little glimpse into what Moses, what's in store for Moses. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Uh, so it's his father-in-law's sheep, not Moses' sheep. He's a foreigner in a foreign land. Um, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God it's a very a short little insight into into Moses' future i think just a narrative little piece of narrative gold as we see Moses leading a flock across the wilderness to the mountain of God where they where he will meet with God in the future it won't be sheep it'll be God's people that Moses leads across the wilderness so they can worship God. And when Moses is there, he meets, uh, he sees a non-burning, burning bush. Uh, intriguing. What a miracle. This bush that's there, it's obviously consumed by fire, but it's not being consumed by the fire. What are we to make of that That miracle? Well, we, we shouldn't push too hard on it, but... Uh, but here's here's some thoughts that fire is very inviting, isn't it? We I had a, a fire in, our, in my backyard last night a, in a fire pit, and uh, we were throwing logs in there. It took a while for me to get the fire going, but once it got going, uh, we were throwing logs and all sorts of stuff in there, and it was consu- that the material was being consumed like nothing else. But this fire. You know, we, we light fires for joy, for, for comfort. You go at a campsite and you light the fire and everyone gathers around. It's, it, it's, it brings community together. It's dazzling. It's exciting to look at. It's warm to sit around and it, and it gives warmth. But the other truth about fire is that it's dangerous and it will consume you. You don't stand in the fire. You come close, but you don't come too close. And I suspect there's some, that, that, that image is there, and I I suspect also there's something to do with the, the bush that God is engulfing but not consuming. And God is about to create a, 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 a nation of Israel who will be brought to him and to be his people, that he will dwell amongst them, but he won't consume them. There's some thoughts about the burning bush. Moses... Um, comes to the bush and he's told to take off your shoes because this is holy ground. So now what, what's actually more exciting than the burning bush is what comes out of from the bush. You know, the, the miracle itself, what, what Moses sees and what we read about, that's one thing. But what next level of miracle is that God speaks. Even greater than that burning bush is that God speaks to Moses. And it's not a brief conversation. It's in depth. It's full of information. The miracle was one thing, but the greater, even greater thing is that God speaks. He's the same God. In, in chapter 3, verse 6, God introduces himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the same God that met with Abraham. He's the same God that met with Jacob. He's the same God that met with uh, with with Isaac. And he's the same God that meets with Moses now. Not a new God. And friends... Can I just remind you that he's the same God that you and I speak to when we pray. He's the God, same God that we gather together on Sunday to hear about, to be encouraged by. He's the same God. I find that exciting. We, we may hear the, 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 the miracles of Moses as we go through Exodus. We, we hear the plagues and everything. We think, wow, what an amazing God. That is the same God that we interact with when we hear his word, when we open the Bible and, and, and listen to it, and when we talk to him, he is our God, the God of, of heaven. He's warm and he's comforting, but he's also dangerous and we need to be serious about our God. And when God speaks to Israel to Moses, he says, ooh, in verse 7 and 8, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, he says, this is what the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which is just shorthand for this land is going to be awesome. It's going to have everything they need. I have heard their cries and I have come down. Friends, our God is the God in heaven, great and awesome, uh, comforting, merciful, tender and powerful and holy and he is our God and he is the God in heaven who has heard the cries and has come down to rescue uh, when When Moses back in Pharaoh uh, in Pharaoh's house, had looked out and seen the misery, he stepped out and did something just comical. But God from heaven looked down and heard the cries and he responds and what does God say? Well, God actually shares his name. He speaks to Moses and gives him his personal name uh, Moses says. Who am I? In verse, chapter 3, verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. Is that an answer to the question? Moses says, Who am I? And God says, I will be with you. It's, it, it's a bit how, similar to the way that Jesus would answer questions in the Gospels. People ask him a question, he gives them a parable. Uh, God, Moses asks God, Who am I? What, what have I got? To offer, and God says, "I will be with you." Moses didn't need a higher self-esteem. He didn't need God to say, "Oh, look, you're Moses. You're good. You've got potential. Just try and try and make your way and see what happens." You've got some. You, you, you're better than you think you are. Stop that negative talk, Moses. Be kind to yourself. That's our modern psychological language. But Moses didn't need a higher self-esteem of himself. He needed an awareness of his relationship with God and the presence of God that would go with him to do what God has planned to do. The God of heaven and earth has called him to come and do a job. Moses says, who am I? And in the English, at least, there's this cute thing going on. Who am I? And God says, I am who. Uh, I am who I am. It's a wonderful phrase. It's a curious phrase. It could be translated, I am. I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, or I am who I will be. There's a bit of um, a bit of uh, obscurity going on there, but this is the name that that we know as Yahweh. He gives Moses a name to call him. You call me Yahweh. I call you Moses. You call me Yahweh. In our Bibles, it is always written as the word Lord in all capitals. So whenever you see that, all capitals in the Old Testament. You know that you 're seeing the name yahweh uh, there 's history as to why that happens and i 'm not going to take up space in the sermon explaining that. Uh, but Yahweh is his name, the I am. What do we know about this this the way that God explains? Who is God? God is self referencing. He, he doesn't describe who he is in connection to anything else. Of course he can. I am the God who creates. I am the God of the universe. I am the God of Israel. He can do that, but he doesn't need to. He just is. I am God, and there is no other. There's no one like him. God is unchanging. In verse uh, 15, he says, that is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. He's unchanging. And that's why we have confidence that he is still that same God today. In verse 16, we know that God is known to us by what he does. And he, he says in verse uh, 16 and 17, he, he says, I, I am the God who promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In the past, I promised, I made a promise. He says in the present, in verse 18, he says, uh, I, I, am, I am meeting with you. Uh, I have come right now to deal with Israel's problems. And in verse 19 to 21, he says, he explains exactly what he's going to do. He is the God who acts. And we know God because of, of, of what he achieves, what he promises, that he turns up and he, and he fulfills it. He's a sovereign God who knows the outcome. It's interesting that when God tells Moses how this is all going to play out, it's not obscure. It's not like a Nostradamus type of, of prediction that there'll be things happen and you'll know that it happens when it happens. No, he's very specific. You're going to go to the Israel and they are going to believe you. You're going to go to Pharaoh and he's not going to believe you and then Then there will be lots of signs and wonders. And I will bring Israel back to this very same mountain. And when we come to this mountain, then you will know. You will know that I am the God who sent you. God is powerful there's There is no one like him, and when Moses says, "Well, how can I convince people that you've sent me Moses uh, God says to Moses, "Here is the signs that you can show them and we saw them in our in our kids' spot uh, that you put your staff on the ground and it will turn into a snake, and you'll pick it up, and it'll be a staff again you will put you, you can create leprosy and heal it again there'll be a, a miracle of healing, and you'll turn water into blood. These are the three miracles that you'll that you'll that you will uh, you'll, you'll show, you will demonstrate. God is powerful. And God is creator. When Moses speaks back to God and says, look, I'm pretty bad with my language, I can't put two words together, God says, well, I put your mouth together. I'm the creator. Uh, you don't need to question your ability I'm the one who will be with you, and I've created everything. The fact that you even stand here is by my power. So God is creator, and God is merciful. At the very last moment, Moses finally reveals his true identity. He says to, to God in verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13, Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else trying to find excuses as to why he's not the right person eventually he just says look I just don't want to go and we're told in the very next verse verse 14 then the Lord Lord's anger burned against Moses and you can expect what would happen next the the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he smited him but no the Lord's anger burned and he sent Aaron he said let your brother Aaron go with you and together with the strength of a brother you can do this together our God is merciful and tender and patient our God has revealed himself to us this episode where we see God talking to Moses is an episode for us that God has made himself known to this planet and he is the God who's unchanging he's powerful he is the creator He's merciful and kind. This God who is in heaven has made himself known to Moses. He made himself known to us so that that we can trust him. It's hard to trust somebody that you don't know, isn't it? But God wants us to trust him. And so he makes himself known to us. And the last thing that we'll talk about this morning is that when God makes himself known to Moses, he actually reveals what's on his heart. And God's heart is for his firstborn son son God's heart is for his firstborn son just quickly where is Moses heart Moses is not quite all in we've seen it in his conversation with God that he's not quite all in it continues as he goes in chapter 4 verse 18 he tells Jethro look I want to go back to Egypt because I just want to see if there's anyone still alive it's clearly not the reason why he's going back he muffles he he camouflages his reason i don 't know whether when you first became a Christian, whether you kind of camouflaged the the the, the tremendous thing that had taken place in your life. Moses has encountered with God and he doesn't share that with jethro he He hides that completely then there's an obscure story i 'm sure your ears became alert when it was read in chapter 4, 24 to 26. On their way to Egypt, uh, God intervenes and he's about to kill Moses. The one, the God who says, Moses, go, turns up and is about to kill Moses. It's a, it's a strange injection, interruption into the story. But it seems that Gershom, Moses' son, hasn't been raised as... Uh, As a promise holder, as a Hebrew, as an Israelite, he was not circumcised. So while Moses is struggling to know who he is, he's certainly not raising his child to remember the promises that God made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, a promise that was accompanied with a sign, and the sign was circumcision. You teach your children that this is what God has promised, and the, and, and your response will be that your, your male sons will be circumcised. Gershom was not, and before Moses was allowed to reach Egypt and engage with this mission, he had to... He had to fix that. He had to be all in. God wants Moses to be committed. When he gets there, we actually find really good news about Israel. It's rare in the Old Testament that we hear good news about Israel. But Israel hears the news from Moses and they they hear that God has, has come down to rescue them, that he's heard this, their cries of misery and they're about to be rescued. And we're told in verse uh, 29 that they... They bow down, they worship. What a wonderful response. They worship there and then. But the trick is that God's plan is not just that people pay attention to him and that they worship him. God's plans are greater than that. God's, God is not dependent on us to just to worship him uh, like the many gods of this world and the ancient, ancient uh, world that demanded worship and they somehow were were weakened when when humans didn't worship that's not what God is craving what God's heart is for is not merely for Israel to worship but for God to rescue that's what his heart is is all in because in chapter 3 verse 12 he said I am going to rescue you and you are going to worship me on this mountain you're not going to stay in Egypt Uh, They'll not remain strangers in a foreign land. God will bring them to the land of his choosing, flowing with blessings from above. And so Yahweh's heart, God's heart is for Israel and he's all in. uh, Chapter 4, verse 22 says this. Then say to Pharaoh, these are God's words speaking to Moses. Then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. This is the, this is how God predicts or foresees or foreknows uh, his sovereign will is for this interchange between. Um, Moses and Pharaoh to take place, and we'll deal with that as, as Exodus unfolds. But right here and right now, God says that I am about to, to, I want my firstborn son to go. He has named Israel, the whole nation of Israel. He has declared them to be his firstborn son. This is not just a story about Moses. This is a story about the people of God who need rescuing, who need redeeming. God is calling his children and a people who were strangers in a country not their own are going to be adopted and called a people of his own. Israel will be known as Yahweh's Yahweh's kids, Yahweh's children, Yahweh's blessed ones. And they're not going to remain in Egypt. They're not going to remain in Egypt. That is not going to happen because God wills it. And nothing's going to stop it. God heard the cries. The God in heaven has heard the cries. He has shared his holy name with Moses and he has shared the plans that will take place. That his children will be redeemed. This is the will of God. And when we fast forward, you read through the whole Old Testament you get to the New Testament. We fast forward to the New Testament we discover that Israel has failed to be the good son that they should have been and we 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 learn as god speaks to us that jesus stands in place of israel god's one and only son comes into the world to stand in place of the disobedient israel the firstborn children were rebels but that doesn't stop god's will God's plan is to rescue his children, and so he will send even his one and only son to make it happen. There is nothing that will get in the way of his plans and what, he's desi- what he desires, and his heart is for his firstborn son. In the New Testament, as the, the gospel writers are talking about Jesus, they say, Behold, out of Egypt I called my son. It's a quote from, from Hosea. As Jesus becomes the fulfillment of all that God has been planning, uh, something that we we see a snippet of here in front of Moses. In Mark chapter nine, and in other places in the Gospels, a voice comes from heaven and points at Jesus and says, this is my son whom I love. And in John chapter 1 verse 12, you and I hear these words, that if we believe that Jesus is God's son and if we receive him as our Lord, then we are given the right to be called children of God that's that is the heart of god that's the that's the desire of god friends what is our place in this world you might feel like moses was feeling a bit lost uh, maybe you're young and you don't know where you, where you're going in life maybe you're old and you don't know where you've been maybe you're in the middle and you've realized you've realized that you've that you're halfway there and what's happening that midlife crisis Demon is, a, is, a, is, a, is annoying. But, friends, for all of us, at no matter what age you are, where you're at, we're being told this morning that the purpose for you is to be received into the kingdom of God, to be received as a child of God. And we do that by turning to Jesus Christ. Because when, we, when you turn to Christ and all in, just like Moses was being told to go all in, don't be half-hearted. When you turn to Christ, then you are at the center of God's heart. You are at the center of the God in heaven's heart. And, you know, when, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and they asked him, how should we pray, how should we talk to this God in heaven who you talk to so easily, Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. And what did he say to them? He said, he said our Father in heaven. He reminded them that when you're speaking, you're speaking to the God in heaven who hears our cries. He said, hallowed be your name, the name that God has revealed himself to us as. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about my purpose. It's not about my will. It's about God's will. And what a relief to all of us Oh, when, you, when you are excused from thinking that you have to name, make a name for yourself and you realise that God actually has made a name for you already and he does that through the Lord Jesus Christ. On our own, we are nobodies. But through the work of God's son, we are God's love children. And when you turn to Christ, then you are at the centre of God's heart. Let me pray in thanksgiving to God. Father, thank you so much for your word. It is amazing and incredible and it's a miracle that you would speak to us at all, let alone that you would come in and tell us that you are ready to save, you're ready to redeem, you're ready to to call us your children when we turn to your son and accept him as Lord and saviour. Father, please give us all hearts uh, that are ready to receive this and obey. Lord, help us. Help us who have already given our life to Jesus but feel a little bit lost in this world. Help us to be reminded and encouraged that your purpose, your will, will be done. That you will redeem us from this earthly life and give us life for eternity in your place. We pray, Lord, you'd help us to continue our life in earth, uh, worshipping you all our days. And we pray you'd help us to do that right now. Amén.